Well, hey, um, this is Josh with What's on Disney Plus, and I am thrilled to have two guests here today with us who are from toughpigs.com. And of course, you know, Roger is our normal host out of the United Kingdom, and uh, he and James will be back here soon. But uh, I wanted to do a special podcast episode celebrating the release of The Muppet Show. Um, and who better to talk about it than these guys who are some of the Muppets superfans. So uh, Ryan is, I know, with us from New York City. Hello. And uh, Anthony is coming in from St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi, everyone. So uh, maybe, and I love these guys, their podcast, Moving Right Along, is just tremendous. Uh, you know, they actually re review Muppet films like two or three minutes at a time. And two minutes at a time. The, it's just incredible, uh, you know, to have that level of detail, like almost like an audio commentary on the film as they go along. So these are real super fans here. If I, as I understand it, the this, this site has essentially reviewed, I believe, all 120 episodes of the show. Is that is that right, uh, Ryan? Almost. Um, we're, yeah, we, we started doing this project uh, a couple of years ago called The Muppet Show 40 Years Later at, on the 40th anniversary of the show's premiere. And we've tried to review every episode on the 40th anniversary of when it first aired in, in the United States. So, yeah, we're coming toward the end of the series at this point. Really remarkable. And they have, a, of course, a whole team of writers at toughpigs.com that yes. they work with. And, um, and I'd love to hear more about the site. Um, and, and just to explain to folks, of course, that this is the first time that The Muppet Show will be uh, available, you know, uh, for, for us all freely to enjoy. So um, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit in terms of some of the previous, you know, VHS incarnations of the show. And, um, you know, it's all been piecemeal up to this point. And uh, as far as we know, this will be all 120 episodes that are now coming to Disney Plus on February 19th. Um, have y'all heard anything differently, by the way, in terms of if it's all 120 and if any segments will be missing? Okay. We, okay. we haven't heard anything official. We did see, if you look on the Disney Plus app, if you look up The Muppet Show, and if you go to, I think it's details, there is a disclaimer now that says, you know, some of these episodes contain outdated cultural depictions. These, these depictions were wrong then and they're wrong today. We present them to learn from them, that, that sort of thing. Um, which to me suggests that some of those more problematic episodes, which, which certainly do exist, um, will be included, right? I think they wouldn't have that disclaimer up if they were planning to take down certain episodes or certain sketches, you know? That's a really good, um, you know, good indication, of course. Well, I, I don't wanna rush us too close and too quickly into the show itself. But uh, would love to hear about the site and how, how it started, how long y'all been with it. Maybe even for each of you guys, uh, your favorite Disney film, because this is obviously a bunch of Disney fans that you're talking to. And, you know, I'm sure they'd be uh, curious about what, what Disney film particularly you guys see as your favorite. Um, Anthony? Sure. So are, are we starting with, with Disney film? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So honestly, I, I spent a long time thinking about this. And, you know, I thought about Beauty and the Beast, Emperor's New Groove. Um, you know, I, I think Tarzan is kind of a dark horse fave, but in the end, I have to go with Bambi, which I, which I think is, it's, what, what is it? It's like 69 minutes long and it's, and it's everything that can happen to a deer in his lifetime, just compressed into this gorgeous, perfect little hour and change. You know, it's funny, it's sweet, it's heartbreaking. Um, my wife and I walked into Love is the Song at our wedding, you know, which was the only thing I wanted to suggest. For, our, for the ceremony itself was to do Love is a Song because I'd always wanted that because it's, it's my favorite. I, I just love it. And Ryan, for you, and you can also maybe start us in on the question of uh, how the, you know, your, your involvement with the site. 
Sure. Um, well, we, yeah. When, so when you say favorite Disney film, you do immediately think of the animated ones. So my, the one that I watched over and over again as a kid was Robin Hood, which I realize is not like peak animated Disney, but I still have a lot of affection for it. And then The Little Mermaid too is another, like that's way up there for me. I feel um, like the thing about Robin Hood is that you either really love it or you really hate it, right? Like any, I feel like there's no Disney fan who who is lukewarm on Robin Hood. I, I love it too. Well, yeah, I would say I, I really love it while acknowledging that it's not one of their best. If that, I don't know which category that fits in. Yeah, it's, it's what we call the Bronze Age of Disney. You know, that era from Walt dying to, you know, them really starting back up with Oliver and company into the kind of the, you know, uh, the Renaissance. But, uh, you know, it, it is, it's better than, frankly, the other ones in that era, which are Aristocats and some others. But uh, it's, it certainly has its, has its fan base. So, um, and I think they're working on a live action of that one too. You know, it's like everybody's getting a live action. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> At any rate. I got but, the perfect casting for it. Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, Claude Rains. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're yeah. telling me they're making a live action adaptation of Robin Hood? Yes, the animated, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> At any rate. Well, um, um, tell us about toughpigs.com, how long you guys have been with it. And just even your, your, your Muppet fandom, like, uh, you know, I know it's kind of a Gen X, you know, brand in a sense, people who were around for the original airing. I wasn't, I'm, I'm more millennial. But uh, how did you guys kind of get into Muppet fandom? Well, the, I think the hopefully short version is uh, Tough Pigs was started in 2001 by our friend Danny Horn, who ran the site completely by himself for the first few years. And then um, at the beginning of 2007, our friend Joe Hennis and myself uh, took over as, uh, as basically the co-owners of the site. And then uh, Anthony was one of our early uh, contributors who would uh, join us in writing stuff regularly for the site. And now we have a whole team of contributors, which is really great. So we do reviews and commentary and news and just anything that we feel like saying about the Muppet characters and the Sesame Street characters and the, the Jim Henson company characters. It's tremendous. And I, it is a great resource for folks. I do hope folks check it out. You guys have done several podcasts now on different themes and focus to them. And uh, it's, you know, it's something that, that Muppet fans are, are aware of worldwide. So uh, kudos to you on your work. Um, when you think about the show, um, Muppet show and, and just kind of enter this conversation about such a, you know, amazing landmark television show uh, that, that- Oh, I just realized I didn't answer the part about, about getting into the Muppets. Oh yeah, yeah, please. Which I, yeah, I mean, I, I think like most people in our age range, I, it started with Sesame Street for me. Like that, those are some of my earliest TV memories. And then I just kind of ended up following everything the Muppets ever did as I continued to grow up. And my parents were really good about helping me become a Muppet nerd because they basically, everything that was on TV with the Muppets, they would tape it and they gave me you know, books and merchandise and everything. So that's my story. Anthony, how about you in terms of uh, Muppet fandom? Similar. I mean, I, I was a fan as a kid, of course. I loved Sesame Street. I loved The Muppet Show. Um, I wish I didn't, The Muppet Show was rerun on Nickelodeon in the early 90s. That was the first time I saw it. It was very exciting. Um, but I didn't get Nickelodeon, so we could only watch it at my grandma's house. So it was like an exciting thing about visiting my grandma was we got to watch The Muppet Show. Um, but... There's a book from 1993 called Jim Henson, The Works by Christopher Finch. And I got that book. I bought it at B. Dalton in the mall when I was 12. And I remember reading that book and just thinking, I have to see every single thing they mention in this. Yeah. 
This is like Jim Henson is the greatest genius of all time. I have to see Hey Cinderella from 1970 or whatever, you know? Um, and then I've kind of spent the last 20 plus years doing that. <laughs> yeah, the amazing thing is I feel like we've pretty much seen most of the stuff that is written about in that book. Yeah. Right. And now, I mean, with, you know, so much of it is online or, yeah. or, you know, in the old days we used to do tape trading, right. um, you know, M M Muppet fans would dub copies of, of old obscure specials. That's actually how Ryan and I kind of became friends was, was doing a tape trade um, in about the year 2000 when I was in high school and Ryan was in college. Yeah. And back then we could only dream of seeing stuff like the LaChoy dragon commercials from the sixties, but now I'm pretty sure they're on YouTube. So. Yeah, it is nice. And it's good that there are so many things on YouTube. Of course, those of us who are part of what's on Disney Plus, we're always calling for, uh, you know, the full release of, of all the back catalog of stuff. And I mean, according to what we know, Disney owns a ton of these old specials with the core Muppet characters. So, um, you know, we're going to keep pressing forward. This is really sort of a people who are kind of involved in this kind of open the vault you know, kind of uh, movement and, and trying to get Disney to open, you know, give us more of the classics. This is certainly the biggest victory so far, you know, here, you know, about uh, 14 months into the site, into, you know, Disney Plus's existence to get all five seasons of The Muppet Show in one fell swoop. I didn't expect that. Uh, I was, I'm pretty excited that it's all coming. Um, and like we say, presumably every episode, but, um, you know, I think one of the best ways to, 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 for people to, to think about the show and, and to understand what a big deal it is is um, to think about one episode that just, you know, you as a viewer made you laugh as never before. I think for me, like the, the Dom DeLuise episode, and I, I probably, I caught, I think some of these in the, when it was VHS, you know, in the nineties, I think Time Life put out, you know, maybe a couple dozen episodes or so. My family got a hold of those and, you know, but the Dom DeLuise episode in the second season, I was just, I just thought, you know what? I, I have never seen comedy like this. I laughed so hard. The whole like Shepherd's Institute of, of Animal Protection with him, right. you know, with the monsters and, you know, trying to feed them all. And I mean, it's just the, the comic timing of it, the unexpected nature of it. And you don't even know how they're doing it with, with puppets. Like these look like real characters. Uh, I was like, I am all in for this show. This is, this is, a, this is remarkable. That um, one also has the sketch where he goes to the planet Kuzbane and they're those, those uh, aliens that popped out of the holes and go, Myrtle it up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what about for you guys? Like, was there a moment when you're like, okay, I, I know I am all in for this show. And it, in terms of one of the episodes of the Muppet show, they're just classic. Sure. Um, I'll, so I'll go first. I was thinking about the Marty Feldman episode, which is from season five, which is every once in a while, they did theme episodes where the whole thing would be kind of a story. Story is a is is not quite right for how loose these were, you know. But there's there's a Robin Hood one with Lynn Redgrave. There's an Alice in Wonderland one with Brooke Shields. And I think best of all, there's a, a Thousand and One Arabian Nights with Marty Feldman, uh, who listeners might know Marty Feldman best as Igor in Young Frankenstein. I, th I think that's what he's best known for. So he has this very offbeat British sense of humor. And in this episode, there's a sketch called The Wright Brothers at Kitty Hawk. <laughs> which is presented as part of the Thousand and One Arabian Nights. And it's starring Marty Feldman as Orville and Wilbur Wright, who he, he plays one person named Orville and Wilbur Wright because my mother wanted twins, identical <laughs> twins, and that's why I look so much, so much alike. And uh, he comes into the patent office run by Sam the Eagle to patent the flying carpet. And it is such a crazy, weird, hilarious sketch. And the, the whole episode is full of great stuff, but that sketch in particular 
is just one of those things where it's like, this is perfection. This is, this is what humanity's greatest achievement looks like. (laughs) And that's one that um, it it was on those time life VHSs that you mentioned, Josh. Yeah. Um, But fifth season never came out on the complete series DVDs. There was no four and five season DVDs. So this will be the first time that one's been available since, you know, 1999 or whenever those Time Life DVDs came out, 2000. That, that's amazing. You know, when I, I'm reminded of uh, Frank Oz's description of the show as kind of abandon and lunacy as kind of like what they're going for, you know, and I, I just think that's such a perfect example of it. Like that is so off the wall, but it, it somehow it works in the show. Um, Ryan, kind of what's like a, an episode that just sticks out in your mind? Yeah, one that comes to mind is the Roy Clark episode. I know uh, a lot of people are gonna look at these episodes and they're gonna be like, I don't know who this guest star is, maybe I'll skip this one. But I, I do think people should watch all of these episodes for, for the Muppets and for the comedy and the music and everything. So in the Roy Clark episode, uh, the Muppet theater is on fire. And it's just, there's some really good Fozzie stuff in there. Fozzie is possibly my favorite Muppet character. So um, there's a, a, a number where the firefighters show up, but they just want to sing. They want to do a musical number. So the firefighters sing, I don't want to set the world on fire. While Fozzie is going back and forth, like trying to put out the fire and evacuating people. He, he's trying to evacuate a chicken at one point, And then he stops in front of the singing firefighters and says, I hope you're proud of yourselves. You made this chicken a nervous wreck. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's, it's just very silly. It's and, too uh, great. Well, you, you bring up an interesting point there about um, watching every episode. And frankly, like, um, this is, you guys brought, did a really good article on Tough Pigs about season one, particularly. Um, and I don't know who, what, who among the contributors did that one particularly. Our, but our friend Evan wrote that one. So it was, shout out to him. It was really well done. And it definitely ex- expressed some things that I was thinking in the back of my head. Because, um, you know, it, it, that first season particularly, it is very different than the rest of the show. And I would contend to probably for people who are the casual fans, especially maybe, you know, maybe they just know Muppets from the films. Maybe they've seen them along the way, you know, but never watched the show. I would say myself, skip season one at first. And, you know, maybe you might want to catch the Rita Marino episode at first. I mean, that's, that's Emmy award winning. Um, You know, Paul Williams, I think is another season one highlight for sure. And I know I'm going to be watching, you know, all of it because I'm a super fan, but you know, what would you say about, about season one? And, and I would just say maybe, hey, let's, you know, consider moving on to season two because I don't, we want to lose people because these are obscure guest stars, especially in season one. And also, um, of course, Miss Piggy doesn't really look and sound like the, the character that we know in, in several of the early episodes. Um, the writing, of course, I mean, it, it went, uh, I know it ultimately ended with Jerry Jewell, but uh, could you talk about the evolution and, and, you know, why people may want to consider maybe skipping it if they're, if they're a casual fan. Uh. Okay, I'll go. All right, um, so you mentioned Jerry Jewell. Jerry Jewell was the head writer of seasons two through five of The Muppet Show. The head writer of season one was a guy named Jack Burns, who ha- he, he's been around forever. I mean, he, he had a comedy team called Burns and Schreiber. And not coincidentally, Avery Schreiber was a season one guest star on The Muppet Show. Um, but he, his style of comedy is a lot more just pure joke based than, than Jerry Jewell. I think, uh, you know, 
Very gag driven, right? And I, I feel like, yes, the, the puppets do look different. Fozzie looks weird. Miss Piggy is sometimes played by Richard Hunt instead of Frank Oz, as you mentioned, Josh. And, and all of that is strange. But I think what is the weirdest thing is that there's not really any backstage stories like there would be later on. Um, and there's not, a, there's not a lot of real heart. I feel like one of the things people want out of the Muppets is like this cast of characters who love putting on a show and, and you know, love being together kind of. And that season one does not have that. Like the, the backstage story will be something like, you know, here's, here's Fozzie trying to work up a joke called the telephone pole or whatever. Um, so what's really missing is the idea that these characters love each other and love putting on a show. It's so, it's funny. I do think people will enjoy it once they get used to it, but I do think if you go into it first, like you say, Josh, it will just be, what is this? This is not what I remember. The Muppet Show is bad. <laughs> You know, yeah, I think um, there, I think there are hints of that heart. Like they, they sort of realize that that could be a good idea for helping people come to know and love the characters. Like there are a few times where you have guest stars cheering up Muppets in that first season, but it's not. Yeah, it's not quite the same. The characters just aren't as lovable. There's also a few characters like Hilda comes to mind who people might tune in to the first season and just be like who is this character who's in most of these episodes Hilda the wardrobe mistress who just disappeared after the first season and the of course the at the right. dance well, well, uh, it, segment it, as well was was a big part of the show and they obviously abandoned that the the houses yeah there uh, were the talking houses well, yes <laughs> <laughs> which we love sort of ironically I guess but yeah no yeah. those talking well, house matches are, are not great yeah, and there's there's really not too many of them. There's only about five or six. So it's not like they're doing talking houses every episode. But for, for listeners who don't know, the talking houses are, we see a row of houses and one of them will say something like, my son works in medicine. Oh, is he a doctor? No, a hospital. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and, and that's what they're like. So like, it's there's something very endearing about it, but I feel like you have to really love the Muppets to find it endearing, maybe, whereas that's, that's not the case with like Gonzo or, or Fozzie or even just some of the you know, mu musical numbers or something. Well, there's also stuff that's not there yet that people might be expecting to see. Like there is Muppet Labs with Bunsen Honeydew in the first season, but Beaker didn't show up until the second season. So it's just Bunsen and those. And also there's no pigs in space in the first season. Which is such a highlight of the whole show. So yeah, people, people are gonna love, love it. it. I, I'm I'm really excited about where things are going. I, I would even recommend, tell me what you guys think of this, but like, for instance, my wife is really into Gene Kelly. I'm probably going to start her on maybe that episode just because, hey, you know, she she knows the performer. She's she, she's going to be all in for this. What, I mean, it, it can you, you can kind of jump around, right? Even if it's a season five or- Oh, yeah, or no. I mean, it's not like there's necessarily continuity to, to worry about too much. There's no continuity. There's zero. I mean, like- the most continuity is that every once in a while in the later seasons, they mention that the Muppet movie exists. That's, that's about as continuity focused as, as it ever gets, you know? Um, but no, yeah. And I do think picking a performer that you already know you like, that you want to watch with the Muppets, you know, you love Steve Martin or Madeline Kahn or, um, you know, Elton Cloris John. Leachman. Uh, Elton John is wonderful. Um, Cl Cloris Leachman just passed away. You know, she had an amazing body of work. Her Muppet Show episode is about the pigs taking over the Muppet Theater and hijacking the show for themselves. 
So we get to see different performers. Like Dave Goals plays Kermit the Pig. Frank Oz plays the Swedish Pig uh, and so on. And so that episode is really fun. And also you, you, you get the bonus of watching the delightful Cloris Leachman with the Muppets. Yeah, that's a good one. And, and I think people who maybe don't even know 70s actors, you know, like Cloris Leachman or, you know, but certain ones of these names, I mean, Johnny Cash, you know, mm-hmm. Paul Simon. I mean, the, there are some big names. You mentioned Elton John, of course. I mean, it's significant. Uh, not only, I think, the caliber of performers they had on it, especially as you get into seasons, you know, later ones, but uh, the range as well. I mean, I, I was always struck by how they would do a gospel number, you know, one episode with, say, Diana Ross or, you know, Pearl Bailey or something, very, very soulful, you know, and then moving into, you know, some kind of Americana type thing, you know, with, with Johnny Cash or, you know, folk stuff with Paul Williams. It's just the, the range of styles in the show, musically, and even, of course, you know, genre of the show is, is very different. Um, thoughts on that? Well, you mentioned Pearl Bailey. And actually, within that episode, you mentioned the, the gospel number. My soul is a witness is the opening number. It's a full, like, everyone's wearing choir robes. It's like a full gospel number. Then she does this, this laid back, like, bluesy version of In the Good Old Summertime with Floyd backstage. And then the show ends with supposed to be the justing number from Camelot, but they couldn't get the rights. So it's a medley of different musical theater songs to enact a justing number set in, in Arthurian times. So she gets to do Broadway show tunes and like a laid back blues number and like a, a rousing spiritual, gospel spiritual song all in that episode. And of course that's Pearl Bailey, who's an amazing singer. But even like within one half hour, they're gonna hit you with, with three very different musical styles sometimes. Like, and that's part of the fun of the show is every few minutes, it's gonna be something new. You know, there's not, you never have time to get bored watching the Muppet Show. Even if you don't like one thing, there's gonna be something else for you in, in just a couple of minutes. Right, it is a variety show. And that, that definitely extends to the types of songs and everything. And yeah, they, um, when they would have like a, a, a current rock star on like Alice Cooper, they would do, hard rock and then when they they have these uk spots which are these uh bits that they did because uh in england tv shows are longer than they were here so a lot of those are just like these really old uh english music hall songs so yeah all, just all kinds of songs it'll be interesting to see if those actually show up on disney plus we we just don't know uh you know we don't of- know they they were on the dvds for seasons one through three which suggests to me that they probably will be included. I, I, I would think I would be yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't be. I mean, we still, I guess we don't know 100% if all of the songs will be there because that was one of the things that happened with those first three season DVD sets that some of the songs were cut for music rights. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect them to cut the UK spots. Well, I, I, and I will say, I think m- listeners may have seen Danny Boy by the Leprechaun Brothers, which is Animal, Swedish Chef, and Beaker. Uh, three, three characters who can't really talk, of course. Um, they posted on social media every uh, right. St. Patrick's Day. Every St. Patrick's Day, right. And it's one of the most famous bits, I think, from the Muppet Show. That's a UK spot. Right. That did not air on the show in the US in, in, in 1980. So, um, you know, at this point, I feel like it's all just the Muppet Show. So hopefully it, it'll, be, it'll be included. I'll be very sad if it's not. I I'll hope that's that. the case. Yeah. I, and so here's a little bit of tidbit of info. I, I learned in dialogue with uh, Brian J. Jones, who I know we all appreciate as, as Jim Henson's biographer. Um, and maybe you guys have heard some other things as well. So I'd love to know if you have heard more. 
but he mentioned, um, and he said he couldn't even remember who he talked with over at, you know, if it was the Jim Henson company or somebody involved in, in archiving this material. But he said there was a real surprise that they ran into some original like ITV tapes, you know, that were preserved that are far better than the transfers that were done for VHS and DVD. And this was only in the last couple of years. Oh, awesome. he said, so he, he's, his understanding is that this will be, um, and you can see it honestly, I think in that, and even just the, the, the theme song that you, you see they've already posted. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously it's in the original aspect ratio. There were people who were concerned about that, that yeah, they were going to, that they were going to, yeah, part. crop it or something, which would have been really concerning. But, um, you know, my understanding is that the source elements are actually really uh, crisp and, and quality. Um, and we're going to be surprised uh, that it's, it may actually top what you saw on the DVD, I would imagine. Uh, so have y'all heard anything more about kind of quality and, and what we can expect? Nothing more than what you just said. I mean, it's, it's really exciting. I, I can't wait to see how it looks on our TVs. And, and it's possible if they got those up to a certain level, you know, maybe the, the spots, et cetera, are going to have to come at a later date if they, you know, they didn't have time or they didn't have the source elements yet at that level. I don't know. So, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You know, we'll just see. a thought. But I, I really hope we're looking at unedited episodes that are not going to have a bunch of musical numbers cut. You know, that, that obviously is going to uh, disappoint folks. Um, something you brought up, uh, Ryan, earlier is about the behind the scenes nature of the show. You know, I think people think of it as a variety of show, of course, you know, but so much of the action is backstage, you know, and that's the charm of it is it's almost like you might say maybe like a 30 Rock or Dick Van Dyke show, you know, where they're, you know, working to put on a show. It's probably an interesting uh, comparison there, but, um, you know, could you talk about that kind of dual nature of the show a little bit where they're on stage, but they're also backstage so much of it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool because I think on on the Dick Van Dyke show and even Thirty Rock, you didn't really see much of the show that they were making. Those were about the, the about characters who were making a show. But yeah, the Muppet Show is essentially two shows in one because it's the variety show that they're doing on stage, and then also the the characters backstage and the the, the various trials and tribulations as they desperately try to make the variety show that you're seeing on stage. And so there's sometimes where the reality sort of blurs, like where They'll, they might do a musical number backstage or in a dressing room and you hear the the audience laugh track reacting to it or applauding and then you're kind of like, wait a minute, can the audience see in well, the dressing room? Well, that's the thing is that the the audience is always there. Like that's one of the things that makes the Muppet Show so surreal right. is that yes, it takes place in the theater. They have an audience of, of Muppets that we see sometimes, but the laugh track is always there no matter where they are backstage yeah. in the in the dressing room. So like, and even in, in season five, in the Chris Langham episode, one of the last episodes, they finally have Statler and Waldorf say something like, do you ever notice there are these long stretches when there's nothing on stage? Which <laughs> <laughs> is great. That's such, a, it's such an in-joke. That's so great. Well, um, one thing, of course, I mean, we're dealing with, when you talk about Disney+, Plus, uh, families at a number of different places in terms of, you know, maybe their kids are very young, uh, you know, and... and some are like, okay, is this, this is obviously a landmark in family entertainment. I think we would all agree with that. And probably we have, you know, many of us young kids who enjoy this. Um, but, it, you know, at the same time, it's interesting that Hanson had this view about puppets kind of being not just for kids. And, uh, you know, that there maybe is a little bit of mature humor in the show at times. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ryan and guests like uh, Alice Cooper, you know, obviously a little edgy. He's kind of a shock rocker. Um, you know, you might say the same about for instance, uh, Raquel Welch, you know, uh, kind of a, you know, 
yeah, very much a, you know, sex symbol of the time. Um, what would you say about kind of this idea of, you know, this is not Sesame Street. I know the pilot episode itself is, is rather interesting, uh, you know, titled Sex and Violence. Um, right. You know, could you talk about kind of uh, Henson's view of, uh, you know, going beyond just kind of kiddie entertainment with this? Uh, yeah, well, the Alice Cooper episode you mentioned, that the backstage storyline involves Alice Cooper trying to convince the Muppets to sell their souls to the devil. So, I mean, it's all done in a very funny, lighthearted way. But yeah, I guess, uh, like, I, I don't want to be one of those people who complains like, ah, they, you know, kids can't, kids aren't allowed to watch anything like we were allowed to watch now. But the, things, I guess parents are definitely more sensitive now than they used to be. Um, the show, the show was, we, we like to talk about how Jim Henson always wanted the Muppets to be for every, like, it wasn't for kids, it was also for adults, uh, but it was really for the whole family, which means there is stuff that mostly adults would enjoy, and there's also stuff that, you know, everyone can enjoy, including the kids, but yeah, there is some interesting stuff, like, um, I guess, uh, Raquel Welch in, in that episode calls Fozzie sexational. <laughs> It'll be interesting to, to see the, you know, people on Twitter uh, when they when they figure that one out. And yeah, just stuff like Muppets smoking and drinking occasionally. Right. Well, um, we talked about the UK spots earlier. Those sometimes had a little more adult humor as well. Like, I always think about the John Cleese episode, which is, I, I think, one that a lot of people will go for. So, you know, John Cleese from, from Monty Python. Um, obviously a very beloved figure in comedy still. The UK sketch in that episode has Miss Piggy as a pregnant bride singing, right. singing Waiting at the Church, which is like not a thing that you expect to see on The Muppet Show, I don't think. But no. And they, they, they never say it out loud. She just is visibly pregnant and singing, wearing a wedding dress, singing about waiting at the church, right? <laughs> yeah, there are some things that I think will, will catch people by surprise if, if in fact everything is uncut. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would just say, you know, for parents, hey, preview it if you're concerned about anything. I, I think obviously it is a landmark show. Um, or just don't know. worry about it because it's yeah. still the business. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we all know that there's, there is such an, it's just that interesting mix of like innocence and edginess that, you know, I think Henson was always trying to achieve in his entertainment. And so much obviously with Sesame Street, seven years prior to this, um, you know, when it premiered, you know, it, it established almost, okay, the Muppets are this kitty brand or something. And, you know, and he was always pushing away from that. And so obviously he shopped then the Muppet show out to networks with this pilot episode called Sex and Violence, um, you know, and uh, it, which is interesting in and of itself. I don't know if that'll be part of this release. Probably not. I'd imagine maybe as a bonus, uh, hopefully in the no. future, we'll see it. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's just something for parents to be aware. Of. We don't want some kind of you know, take down this episode or that one, you know, kind of a movement at all. We, we want to see these uncut as they originally aired, um, you know, in their uh, kind of, you know, fullness of what, what, what was broadcast. Um, well, kind of as we close out here, because I think everyone's very excited about this new show, and hopefully we'll be able to talk more about it as, as uh, time goes on and uh, people now have gotten to react and, you know, we'll see which ones really, uh, you know, are, are ones that kind of are, are discussed a lot in social media. But um, when you think about, you know, what, where they went by the fight fifth season, I mean, you know, this is a show that obviously is, is really stands apart in the annals of TV history. And I think that it's, you know, you, you almost get to the level where it's essentially a Muppet film, you know, every week by that point. I mean, the sets are so elaborate. 
you know, the gags are so elaborate. Um, you know, the Roger Moore episode comes to mind, uh, what they were doing in that episode. Um, you know, what, uh, why would you guys say that this is a show that really stands the test of time? And, and why, is, why is it one that people should really uh, take time to, to binge watch and, and check out in full? Um, I guess if you want to start first, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, part of it is because it did really appeal to everyone. Adults were watching it. Families were watching it together. Um, at one point, it was the most widely syndicated show in the world. I think Baywatch uh, at some point surpassed the record, but uh, <laughs> The Muppet Show got there first. And yeah, just every kind of entertainment and these characters that, that are just so lovable all in this uh, half hour package. So it's, it's, yeah, it's just like, it's pure entertainment. And The Muppet Show was kind of a culmination of everything Jim Henson wanted to do up to that point, And then he got to do it. Right. Well, and I, I think um, we mentioned earlier that like there's always I, I said earlier that there's always something new coming along every few minutes. And I think that's a huge part of the key to why it's still so entertaining. Like, I think people who don't want to watch older TV shows often think that they are slow paced or boring or something. And The Muppet Show is not ever slow paced. You know, it, I mean, obviously it stars the Muppets, but also like it just packs as many jokes, songs, you know, characters into 25 minutes as it can. And at the end of those 25 minutes, it's just, you've just been smiling, laughing the whole time. You know, Even if at, there's a song that, you, that you're not really familiar with, if you wait a couple minutes, you'll get the Swedish chef. Right, exactly. Like there's, there's just always so much that I, I think if people go into it expecting, you know, the Muppet movie, they, they might be thrown, like we talked about with season one is kind of weird. But if people go into it just wanting to see the Muppets, they're going to they're gonna see it. They're going to get the jokes, the songs that they love, and it's a joy every time. That's so true. I think of the uh, Harry Belafonte episode, you know, just oh. some amazing soaring numbers in that. I mean, turn the world around, you know, the whole Earth song that he, that he does is just like, wow, like this is, you know, how did this ever get on TV? This is amazing. You know, right. the level well, of artistry that's reflected in this. Well, and what's like, that's, that episode's a perfect example, because like you say, it ends with that just soaring, gorgeous number. It also starts with Kermit reading Fozzie's misspelled script. Leggies and jengle fins, welcome again, tie the mupple shocks, right? <laughs> so it's like, it, it, it has everything. It's so good. And Harry does the banana boat song, which is, which is delightful. You know? It really is. Well, this has been great, guys. We've got to kind of uh, wrap it up here, but this has been tremendous. Thank you so much. The guys from toughpigs.com do check out the site um, and their podcasts and, uh, you know, this has been, of course, What's on Disney Plus. You can find us on whatsondisneyplus.com and uh, keep listening for future episodes here. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm Josh. And, of course, be watching for Roger, our host. Thank you guys so much for, for coming on today. Thanks so much, Josh. <laughs> Thank you, guys.